0: Domin, dummy, T three on the track. It takes us high. Yeah, Highly contested, it's getting wild. Highly contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts, show the stats, act like radios are all the takes is high. Highly contested, it's getting wild. Highly
1: contested. If you wanna talk the talk, then you better walk. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with Joe and Eric. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing
0: great, man. Thanks for asking. How are
1: you doing? Yeah, it's been a while since you've been on here, so it's glad we're glad to have you back, of Eric. Course. How All are you right. doing? And Joe, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing all right. Could be better. Wish the Raiders would have won. But oh well.
1: Yeah, I feel you, Joe. I feel you. I mean, the Jags have now suffered two straight losses to the Dolphins. Well, and the Bengals, I predicted so. the Dolphins
2: yeah. the Bengals winning, so it's all right. I'm cool with that one. Wow, uh,
1: so you're more are you concerned more about your weekly pick uh,
2: a little bit. I got a record to uphold.
1: <laughs> all right and uh eric sorry to answer your question yeah. yeah i'm doing pretty good honestly you know i mean i wish my Jags would have won but we're on you know the same boat there. it is what it is
0: we're on huh? the same boat there
1: i think we all are yeah <laughs> but um
0: here, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we're gonna jump right into it with starting starting out with the nba so uh Before I get into that, though, I'm going to go into our featured topics for today. They include what are your biggest takeaways from Game 3 of the NBA Finals? Why are the Texans starting out 0-4? And are the Cardinals going to make the playoffs after losing two straight weeks? We are going to dive headfirst into it here on Highly Contested. So again, jumping right into the NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers and Miami Heat played Game 3 of the NBA Finals, where the Lakers and Heat were close going all the way to the fourth quarter. Jimmy Butler led with his offense and defense down the stretch as the Heat would close this game out late to close the gap in the series 2-1. to So, Joe, we will start with you. What is your biggest takeaway from Game 3? of the NBA
2: Finals. I mean, the story is in the stat lines. Jimmy Butler went off for a triple-double, and as a team, they shot 51% from the field and 353 from the three-point line. But this ain't really saying much since they still are down in the series. But if they can do this in game four again to tie the series, then we got to start asking ourselves, can the Heat actually do this and make a comeback?
1: I feel it. Eric, what are your thoughts? What's your biggest takeaway from Game 3 of the NBA Finals? You know, like,
0: like Joe said, 40 points off Jimmy Butler. Um, I love that they started uh, Hero instead of having him off the bench. He had 17 points. He had the most uh, points on the starting lineup besides, obviously, Butler. And he also got 17 from Olenek, so that's that's kind of crazy. Olenek uh, came off the bench, and he really pulled through for him. Um, but let's get to the, the real stat lines here. Third player in finals history to post a 40-point triple-double besides LeBron and Jerry West is now Jimmy Butler. All right? He's also the third player since 1980 to score 40-plus points without taking a three in the finals. as Shaq and Kareem. So, I mean, he's posting up some stuff here, right? And then also, it's the second biggest upset in 30 seasons. So this is a huge game, all without Dragic Drog- uh, and Bam. So this is insane. This is These are... Uh, record breaking stat lines that we're pulling out here and they have injuries against the LeBron and 80 Lakers.
1: All right so big facts Eric from you I like that you take about the 40 point triple double only player to, only player to do that besides LeBron James and Jerry West love it all right My biggest takeaway is pretty much exactly that Jimmy just will not go down without a fight. He elevated his game to the next level, and that's frightening to think about. Hopefully he will continue off this dominant performance because he is the heart and soul of this Heat team, and it's clear that this team goes as he goes. 40 points, 11 boards, 13 assists. He did this all while guarding the best player on the planet Earth, which is LeBron James. He scored all those points without shooting a single three-pointer, Instead, he went to the foul line 14 times and knocked down 12 of them, which is huge. They need him to be this type of player for the rest of the series in order for them to win. I need him to be this type of player because I love me some Jimmy Butler. Another takeaway that I have is Anthony Davis got in some foul trouble early on, and he couldn't step up when his team needed him down the stretch. He finished the game with 15 points and 5 boards and he played 33 minutes and only shot the ball 9 times all game. 9 times is extremely disappointing from him. Now, when you get into foul trouble early, it's hard to get back in it and get to a flow, but if Anthony Davis wants to win that title and if he wants to be the finals MVP, then that's not a good excuse. He needs to step up if he wants to if he wants the series win and end that finals trophy because many had him as the favorite for the MVP for finals MVP, but not after a poor performance like that. What are your guys' thoughts regarding that?
0: Like I said, man, Jimmy just went off, and uh, in his own quote, he was, "Win. Don't care about a triple double. I want to win." So that's what he said after the game. Um, like we're bringing up all these great stats and uh, all these record-breaking accomplishments, and like to Jimmy, it's just like I don't care. You know, I just want to win, and that's this is exactly why you see him as a leader. Why they're in the finals right now It's because Jimmy could put the team on his back when he needs to, and he could also share the ball when he needs to. And right now, the Heat to keep this momentum and ride into game four that way you know hopefully they get one of their players back you know droggish or bam but uh because you know he can't do it by himself all the time but i'm glad that you know jimmy has this mindset and they're able to do this to the lakers who you know seem to have it all right now
1: yeah you're yeah uh, i give you that you're right another thing that i noticed guys and i don't know if you guys noticed this too but the heat actually went away from playing zone defense which worked for the boston series but it hasn't shown to be working against this Lakers team and they started playing man-to-man. The physicality was on display. They were just manning up on all these, on all these Lakers players and they were able to box out and get rebounds because of it too. What are your guys' thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. I remember in game two, they were doing the zone and they were doing a double team on LeBron every time he had the ball. And then when the ball was shared around and it hit AD, immediate double team as well. And it worked for the first few plays and then it just, completely fell apart um that was also the game where they also had some injuries as well but i like the fact that they went to man i think if they could just you know play man on man on ad i know double team is going to be better in a way but it also leaves holes in the defense so maybe just playing man to man straight up is the only way to do it it's gonna be hard against ad but hey if it worked tonight and he got the foul trouble then it worked tonight
1: yeah and you know I was I was listening to Charles Barkley actually talk about the man-to-man man versus zone defense and he was actually talking about how he would love when teams would play zone defense on him. He basically said, "Hey, shoot that ball. I'm going to get the rebound and I'm going to score if you miss." What are your thoughts, Joe?
2: Yeah, I was going to add on to AD. And AD only had five rebounds in that whole game.
1: Yeah, five rebounds is just unacceptable, in my opinion. And I think that he had those five rebounds. A big contribution for him having only five rebounds was, you know, of course, him getting in foul trouble was a thing. But, you know, the the Heat team just manning up and not allowing him to get those boards, I think it was, for me, was the biggest difference maker. Now, if it'd be interesting to see if Bam Adebayo comes back for game four as well, because if he comes back for game four, well, then there's another strong piece to their puzzle that they can have on, on defense to collect those rebounds and just man up on Anthony Davis and, you know, on offense, because we all know what Bam is capable of on both ends of the court. What are your guys' thoughts on the potential of Bam coming back?
0: Yeah, Bam coming back is huge. I mean, anyone on the heat that could guard AD, it's going to have to be Bam. I mean, yeah, you can flip in and out of centers off the bench like Olenek and stuff and put him on uh, on AD, but I'm telling you right now, the best bet you have is, is Bam. He's, he's the best player to put on AD. And uh, even on some one-on-one situations, I've seen Bam switch over to LeBron. I mean, that's maybe not something you want every time, but he can do it. So having Bam there is just a plus all around on the team defensively and offensively. Because you know, even he could go against AD in that aspect as well, and uh, you know, I just, I just think the matchup is just way, way better uh, on these two teams when you have Bam involved.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Exactly. Any, any, any extra piece can help, especially if you have an extra piece like Bam Adebayo there, because he is not just an extra piece; he is a pivotal piece, in my opinion. We. Side note: Before we go ahead and switch to our next topic, so I was I was watching an interview of Jimmy Butler after the game. They they uh, were it was on NBA TV, and they were interviewing him, and it was funny because Charles Barkley goes to ask him a question. He's like, "Jimmy, hey Jimmy, uh, there's there's barbers there's barbers in the league. I don't know if you know, but there are barbers uh, down there." And then Jimmy proceeds to go. I don't understand what you're saying. That's not a question. He's like, I thought you were saying you got a question, and you're over here, you're over here like that's not a question. And it was just the way he said it. Literally, there was like the longest pause. And then Jimmy's just like, that's not a question.
0: <laughs> it's like, why are you talking about my barber right now, bro?
1: <laughs> and then, and then it was funny because then Chuck goes, uh, then Chuck goes, well, I don't know. Do you know like that? There's a barber there. And then he's like, oh, that's a question. There we go. Yes, I do know. There's a barber here. <laughs>
0: Because he has that mustache, bro, and he has that oh. minshu mustache going on right
1: now. Uh, he's <laughs> and you know what? It's working for him. It, uh, even Charles said he's like, man, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Keep keep doing what you're doing. Don't go to that barber. That's so funny. it was it was funny. Yeah, it was good. It was fun to watch. Moving on, we are going to switch it now to the NFL, the Buffalo. Bills played the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday and opened the game strong, never looking back as they eventually won the game 30 to 20 to 23 behind a strong performance from the Buffalo defense. So, Joe, what are your thoughts on the Bills and Raiders after this game?
2: The Raiders offense are playing really inconsistent and the defense is horrible. They can't cover any receiver, and they could barely even stop the run. On offense, they need to catch the damn ball. Yes, they caught some, but it's the ones that we really need to get to the next level, and they don't catch them. On defense, the defensive line is giving the QB way too much time in the pocket. They need someone someone to help and get in that backfield. And in the secondary... Come on, bro. Stay on your man. You can't be letting them get past you like that. You have to cover them.
1: Yeah. What are your thoughts, Eric?
0: Yeah. um, Besides the injuries that we do have on offense, uh, like we know we don't have rugs and we don't have some linebackers down there, Trent Brown. But uh, I can't make those excuses because, I mean, we had players, we have a lot of depth when it comes to wide receiver and offense. So that wasn't too much of a problem. Yeah, we had some fumbles and stuff like that and some butterfingers. Um, those could all get, in. you know, better. We can obviously improve on that. We never had this fumble problem until this game. But uh, my problem, and it, this has been, as a fan, the main problem for me, even in the past uh, years and seasons, is Paul Gunther this man has to be the has the softest defensive mind in the NFL. I cannot stand his play calling from from like he'll start one game playing zone and then switching it to man and then he's just throwing it's like he's just throwing random Madden plays out there you know I like just I don't see how this is working at all. I don't know what Gruden sees in Gunther besides that that's his friend but I'm the i fir- I'm not the first one to say this either. you can go on Twitter or wherever you look at your information by actual fans. Just watching the game and man, Gunther does not look good out there. Um, I just I don't even know why they had him walk out at, at halftime. He shouldn't even be in the game. Um, we have good defensive players scattered around the field. We don't have a good defense. We have a we have a decent stop run defense, but our secondary is pretty much trash. Um, as you see, the Raiders always have a, a good good. I mean, in our right, right time, scoring the ball usually, and uh, we we. But other teams, they they score on us no matter what. They could score because we let them score. We have a terrible defensive players in general, and Paul Gunther is the main main reason why uh, we're really that bad is because his play calling is atrocious.
2: Eric, I don't know what Twitter headline you've been reading. It's not Paul Gunther did. <laughs> You're gonna tell me, you're gonna blame the defensive coordinator for letting a wide receiver run past you.
0: No, but if you exactly, so you can't bl- in, you can't blame him. Man, then there's a problem. You can't
2: you can't blame him for everything. Yes, he's an easy scapegoat, but if you don't have the right players to be doing your playing the the plays that you call, and it's it's the player's job to actually execute if you don't have the players to execute that play it's not all on his fault okay but he's of course the up. media is going to portray it as oh it's all on him he needs to go it's and like media. you're it's saying he needs to go
0: look paul Gunther says that all nfl offenses are built different and that's a no bro. but his defense schemes are same or the same and they're subpar and the results are the same thing every time i mean th- this is a guy who's been in the nfl everywhere and he's never had a good defense when he's the main man at defensive coordinator
2: okay and going back to the other reason how he switches up the plays from going man to zone yes there's always a whole bunch of play uh, plays that are man to zone it's you have to focus on the offense so you can't say oh he's all over the place even though those are the play calls
0: no you're right there of course you're going to switch from man to zone during a game obviously but this like the zone will not be working he switches the demand. It's not working. Then he switches it. Then switches it back. And it's like he—it's like he's just everywhere every time in every game.
2: Well, he has to switch it down. He needs to find something that will work with the players he has on the field. I and mean, obviously just, nothing works. Like
0: no strategy and
2: editing. Obviously nothing works on the field. So he, he's a, he looks like the bad guy out there. Like, according to you, he looks like the bad guy right now.
1: Yeah, interesting takes. I mean, as a... As as a Jaguars fan, I know exactly you know what it means to have a bad defense. I've seen that now for the past couple of years, and I know that you guys have had it a little bit longer than than Jaguars have had. But the one thing I will the one thing I will say is, um, I think that I think that there is there is a consistent switching between man and zone and blitzing and et cetera et cetera, and I think that you need that the problem is is that sometimes sometimes you just make the wrong call and the offense just makes the right call to and they and they combat your defensive call right away now it could be a little bit of both i'm thinking i'm thinking it might be a little bit of both but i would like to i would like to definitely pay attention to the raiders from here on out to really see because if it is that if it is the defensive coordinator, then in my opinion, you got to take action when that's the case. But if it is the defense, well then if it is like the players themselves, well then we need to start getting more players to shore up that defense. And I know that the Raiders have focused a little bit on getting defensive players in the draft and, you know, trying to shore it up on free agency as well. It looks like they need to do just a little bit more of that for them to have a, a uh, respectable defense to make the playoffs and make some noise in there. What are your guys' thoughts?
2: Yeah, I agree. Something needs to happen. We need better players. I know, yes, uh, Damien Arnett is injured and he was, him and uh, Trayvon Mullen were pretty good alongside of each other. But as you saw when uh, Stefan Diggs ran a crossing route from one side of the field to the other, Amik Robertson just let him go right past him and he caught, he got for a big gain of yards. So something needs to happen.
0: Well, my thoughts on some of this is, yeah, obviously we just need help on defense period. Raiders need help on defense. Um, I think in the draft, it should be nothing but defense. We're plenty. We have so much money spent on offense. So many great players on offense. It's time to put a lot of this money towards defense. Um, But for some positive news, I mean, Derek Carr did pass Ken Stabler as uh, the most career pass touchdowns in Raiders history. And he's, I mean, Derek, people like to give crap on Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr. Um, I just think that his pieces have just always moved around due to injuries and, you know, changing of coaches and all this other stuff. I think he's still real good. Um, he's obviously pulling the stats. Now he's the obviously the most decorated in Raiders history when it comes to touchdowns. So that's another positive note.
1: Yeah, I'm liking Derek Hart, too, honestly. And a lot of people, you know, you, like you were saying, a lot of people aren't very high on him. And I think that they don't really know the full story when they when they make the claim that they're not very high on him because he is—he's one of those players that you know, Alex Smith. Alex Smith was the same way. He's one of those players that there's always there's always something new in the off season. And so every year he has to, he has to accommodate to something new, something different regarding the offense. There's no consistency at all for him. And that's one of the, that's one of the biggest things for an offense, especially a quarterback, you know, even, you know, even a quarterback who's as, you know, he's, he's not too old. He's about like, you know, I would say a little younger than middle age, but he's around the middle age for a quarterback and, I think that, you know, when you have all that constant switching around of like, you know, coaches, offensive coordinator, whatever the case is, players even, you know, because there's a he's he he's seen a lot of players come and go as well. It's it's hard to it's hard to be any better than than what he has been because of the fact that there's not any consistency. What are your thoughts, Eric?
0: Yeah, so um another thought is this is probably you know it's only four games in, but this is probably the most I've seen Derek Carr throw downfield. Um, sucks that a lot of these plays had a lot of penalties. There's a few free plays as well um, due to penalties. But even the some without Carr was throwing forty plus. He actually had one of them almost be a touchdown if it wasn't for a penalty and on, the, on the our offensive player. I think it was a uh, Colton Miller made a, a wrong move. He was a uh, I think he was I forget what it, what the penalty was actually. The point being that he had a lot of deep throws. He wasn't dinking and dunking, like what George would say.
2: It was an illegal I mean, man downfield.
0: Yeah, illegal man downfield. He was a little too far. But uh, other than that, like Carr was actually throwing it. He was throwing them things out there, man. He was throwing that ball. And uh, one of them, another one was he threw a had Oh, he had such a great throw to Zay Jones. Or was it Aguilar? I don't remember. But he threw it like 40-plus yards, almost 50. And it was barely. Zay Jones or Aguilar, whoever it was. It was in their fingertips, and they dropped it. Like I don't know what it was today about them dropping everything, but they dropped everything. But let's not you know, just say all this on the Raiders. I mean, the Bills had a great game. Josh Allen came out, threw the damn ball. He got it into his players' hands. They did a great job of scoring. Their defense played pretty good. Um, I mean, they had so many forced fumbles. It was unbelievable. They had like more than four, probably. But uh, the Bills did really, really well. Josh Allen fell down. Um, right before halftime, I believe. And he was able to come back a uh, shoulder injury. So uh, he didn't miss a, a single snap in that one.
1: Yeah. Josh Allen's been playing well. He's been, he's been playing, you know, lights out in a sense and they are four and zero for a reason because that solid defense and his, and his play. So that's, that's, you know, that's the recipe for success, you know, good, good defense, solid quarterback play. I mean, that is the recipe for success. And, you know, if they can get that run game going, they're definitely going to be a force going into the playoffs. Because and they're they're looking like the top team right now oh, yeah, so in the looking AFC looking nice. East. Yeah, they're looking like the top team in the AFC East for sure. Um, but they do have the Patriots to worry about, and especially considering that you know the Patriots are now going to be without Cam Newton going into tomorrow's game versus the Chiefs. Now that Cam's not going to play, I'm. I'm going to chalk that down as a loss for the Patriots, which would which would put them at 2-2. Two and two. So they're going to be two games behind the Bills. They're going to have to play well both games against the Bills, which, I mean, I think they can do. And Bill Belichick, we know what he's capable of. So, yeah, I think they can do it. But we'll just have to wait and see because that Bills team is playing really well. All right, we're going to go ahead and move on to our next topic. We're going to switch it to the Houston Texans, who have had a tough set of games to start the year with the likes of the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Steelers. But they had a winnable game versus the Minnesota Vikings, and the Vikings came to play, leading to the Texans' fourth loss of the season. So, Joe, why are the Texans 0-4 to start the season?
2: that whole Texans organization needs to get back to the drawing board. The only two positives to this team is JJ Watt and Sean Watson. Bill O'Brien is, is the one holding this team back. He has two positions on the coaching staff, head coach and GM. So he has no one telling him not to do that trade or whatever needs to get done to make this team better. He is personally running this team to the ground. I feel sorry for JJ and Deshaun. These are these are good players, and it's just poor decisions by the by Bill O'Brien to this team. And that decision cost them giving up Deshaun uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and that was their main receiver last year. And he's off to bigger and better, I guess now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely willing to go off of what you said, Joe, but I want to hear what Eric has to say. Go for it, Eric. Yeah, Joe, we agree. Bill
0: O'Brien has made some very questionable moves. I mean, now they're 0-4, and you know he got rid of a few few good players. And let's put this into effect. So the Houston Texans are spending $255 million in cash on their roster this season, more than any other team in the NFL, by the way. And they owe their first and second-round picks in 2021 to the Dolphins so right now the Dolphins are celebrating (laughs) as we speak but uh yeah Bill O'Brien has made some very questionable moves and it just has not been working out in his favor um they got rid of Hopkins of course and a lot of big other players it's just a sluggish start for the Texans man I don't know what else to say I mean they're scoring some they're scoring like Deshaun Watson and them boys they're scoring they're just not winning So that could, you know, that could point straight to the coaching because if you're scoring enough, but you're not winning, there's a problem there. You know, what's, what's going on? Why is, are you coaching this the right way? Or obviously the players are doing what they got to do what's going on. Um, The defense. Yeah. It could be iffy at times, but they do enough. Usually. I mean, Bill O'Brien has just a heavy hand in the play calling, obviously. And like Joe said, he does the GM part, coaching part. Um, It's just, at this in this organization really there's just nowhere else to point.
1: Yeah, I have to one hundred percent agree with the both of you when you guys make those claims. So the thing is that what I think about when I look at this Houston Texans team is I look at those players, like you mentioned Joe. Deshaun Watson, JJ Watt, you know, there's some other there's some other names that we can mention as well, but man, dude. <laughs> how like how terrible is it that you have this to deal with it's like it's it's like one of those things where it's like you know you for them it's basically like this you know you you went to college you spent you know you spent the years being you know you know ma- majoring in a certain field and you're so excited to finally get into your career in this specific field and then you get to and then you get hired at this place and you're excited because you know y- your career started off really well and everything and then all of a sudden you get this new boss and your and your job is just terrible after that i mean it's not like it's i mean it's not like it's god awful for deshaun watson but like i mean you know it i'm imagining just there's just not a lot going for him at this point yeah he's yeah they're scoring points but they're not scoring enough points and i don't i don't really believe that's on him the loss of deandre hopkins is exposing the offensive line even more than they than they're already you know flagged for we knew that the texans didn't have a great offensive line but hopkins was a big difference maker in that offense because the fact that he would just get open in the first second of every play and could take the pressure off the texans who don't have a great offensive line to start I mean, Deshaun Watson doesn't have that trusted player anymore, and he's getting pressured often by the defensive line. With no reliable target, the offense gets off the field more easily, and the defense has to come back on the field quicker than they want. This is a team game, but it's true that good players play a significant role, and I believe Hopkins played that role on this team being a security blanket for them. I told you guys after the first game they played versus the Chiefs that I would be surprised if they have a winning season. Considering all that Bill O'Brien Bill O'Brien has done and they're showing why I made that bold claim. Bill O'Brien said himself that the game plan when Hopkins was there was to get Hopkins the ball early. And now he's making this claim that his plan is to spread the ball now that DeAndre Hopkins is gone. And that if you're open, then Deshaun Watson's gonna get the ball to you. I have a problem with that game plan because first of all, that game plan implies that Deshaun Watson has to make, you know, three or four different reads every play. And he doesn't have enough time to get his receivers the ball when he has to make, you know, three plus reads every play, considering that his offensive line does not protect him enough. You're talking about making three plus reads in less than three seconds, which is just not enough time in my opinion to make those reads. What are you guys' thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I thought they made it. Well, when that when it happened, I thought they made some improvement about uh, dealing with that offensive line getting Larry Tunsil, but he's looking not like himself when he was on the Dolphins, and I don't know what's wrong with him. Maybe it just feels like oh, he's just getting paid, and and this team's going down under, so why even try? And Deshaun Watson earns earns all that money. He he earned all that money that he got with his extension. And it's just like, you're paying me all this money. And if I get hurt, you guys are all going to be screwed without me. Get this man some help on that offensive line and give him time to throw the ball.
1: Yeah. And the sad thing is too, is that I guarantee you, you know, Larry Tunsil. I bet you what his – you know, he probably came into the Dolphins and he expected the Dolphins to be this, you know, this not so great team, but I guarantee you, he told himself, like, if I, you know, if I do well enough still though, and if I become like this pro bowl caliber player that, you know, some team is going to want me, even though this Dolphins team probably wasn't. And even if, you know, and even if that's not what his thoughts were, even if his thoughts were to stick with the Dolphins for as long as you know they would want him then you know i guarantee you his plan was hey we're gonna eventually gonna get better and and you know he's just clinging to the hope that they would get better either way you slice it he goes to the texans and he probably identifies right away the dynamic the fact that the players themselves are just looking at this coaching staff with bill o'brien and they're thinking man i don't he, he probably thinks the same thing that the other players think, where they think, man, dude, like, I, it's hard, it's hard respecting this coach because of the fact that he, you know, Hopkins was, you know, of course, besides Deshaun Watson, Hopkins was their, you know, was their biggest role player on offense and he was just dismissed easily. And it's just one of those things. It's like, well, shoot, I mean, none of us, none of us are really valuable, I guess, in this team. So, I mean, why, why even bother? Why even try? I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on that?
2: Go ahead, Eric. You got anything?
0: No, not really.
1: All right. Well, if you guys don't have any thoughts on that, we're going to switch over to the next topic. We're going to switch to the NFC and talk about the Arizona Cardinals now. The Cardinals after starting the season 2 and 0 with a strong win versus the 49ers have now lost two straight games to the Lions and the Panthers and are now 2 and 2. So, Joe, do you think the Cardinals are going to make the
2: playoffs after losing two straight weeks? I think the Cardinals can make the playoffs only because the NFL added that extra spot in the bracket. And the only reason, because they have the Seahawks in their division and the 49ers, but as of what we saw t- tonight, the 49ers aren't looking that good. Even yes, they have the injuries, and their, their QB just played like absolutely trash. But um, that division it is what makes it so hard to see in the future of, of the Cardinals playoffs. But like I said, at the 49ers, the injuries do continue. The Cardinals can slide into that number two spot for that wild card. So look if the injury continue for the Niners, I think the Cardinals can slide into that number two spot because they're both 2-2 two and two right now. And I think that um, as of right now, the Cardinals are in that two spot because they have that division win against the Niners in week one.
1: What are your thoughts, Eric?
0: Yeah, I think there's still a chance for the Cardinals here, especially when you look at their schedule up ahead. So the next game, uh, next Sunday, uh, they play actually the San Francisco 49ers, which I expect them to win because of the injuries to the 49ers and all that other stuff. I mean, I just don't really trust them right now. Um, So I think the uh, Cardinals could take that W. Next, they play the Washington football team. To me, that's a pretty, you know, they could get a, a win there. Then it's Detroit, Carolina, Jets. I think all right there is all Ws, to be honest. And then, uh, then they have Dallas. Now the Dallas before their bye week, they played Dallas and then Seattle. I know Dallas doesn't have the greatest record as of right now, but they do score and they score a lot. And then they, they just the last second game, they lose in the last <laughs> few games. So who knows what they'll be like um by that time. But uh, I think the Cardinals take an L maybe to Dallas. Obviously, they take an L to Seattle then it's a bye week. But right after the bye week, they could play Miami. So to me, that should be another W. So I mean, they'll be they should be at least way above five hundred by the time they hit the bye week. This is my opinion though. Um anything could change, of course. But I would say that they you know they would have a positive record going into the bye week. So yeah, I just see them being a playoff team pretty much. Right next I mean not beating Seattle of course but uh wild card, sure, they can do that.
1: Yeah, so I'm just, I'm looking at the NFC conference, the NFC right now. And I'm looking at, you know, those teams. There's a couple teams that it's like you could, you can just chalk them down for a spot in the playoffs, you know. And two, two of those teams are, you know, the Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers. Right now, they're the only two teams undefeated in the NFC. And I mean, you can just chalk—you could just chalk down the division as theirs, in my opinion, uh, because the Seahawks—they're firing all—they're firing all cylinders. Um, Russell Wilson is is just looking awesome. That offense is looking awesome. And the Green Bay Packers—we know that they just own that division. And Aaron Rodgers is looking solid. So they have a game tomorrow, of course, versus the Falcons. And uh I mean, I expect them to win that game, but we'll see Falcons Falcons are a better team than I think their record says and what their you know past blunders have said. but when we t- when we look at the rest of the spots, so after those after those two spots, you have five more spots and one of them has to go to the NFC South and then another and then another one of them has to go to the NFC east which so let's i mean let's let's look at the nfc let's look at the nfc south it's the buccaneers the saints the panthers and the falcons now i'm just going to count out the panthers and the falcons and buccaneers right now are in control they have a three and one record saints have the the saints have a two and two record and you know the past couple games the saints have not been looking like themselves really and so uh there's uh past few games i should say they haven't been looking like themselves um the they barely get the win this week against the lions and then they lose the previous two weeks so i don't know they haven't really been looking like themselves too much but we'll see we'll see what how they can do moving forward the tampa bay buccaneers they look good that defense looks sharp uh the offensive weapons are really helping tom brady out and so they're they're looking pretty good right now as well i think i think that if i had to put if i had to be a betting man i would say that both teams would make the division so that's two more spots so now there's only three spots left one team has one team from the NFC East has to make the playoffs so i'm giving that fifth spot to them and so you only have two spots left the rams look good they're 3 and 1 and you know you have the 49ers to uh, contend with as well so it's going to be tough they have the edge right now over the 49ers, considering that they have that one win advantage over them. But um, the Niners, if they can, you know, recover from those injuries, then I still see them as making, I still see them making the playoffs. So we'll, we'll have to see if they can recover from those injuries, but if they can't recover from those injuries and their season ends up becoming, you know, a blunder in a sense, not their fault, but to, you know, due to injuries, well then, the Arizona Cardinals can slide into that seventh spot. So I think it'll be a fight for them, but I believe that they can hit that seventh spot. What are your guys' thoughts,
0: Eric? Yeah, It'll, it'll be hard for the, for the Niners to come back off of injury, especially when you have people like Bosa, the, the main, main guy in your defense is not coming back this season, but, uh, Garoppolo will come back. But yet again, I don't really have that much faith in Garoppolo. I mean, better than Mullins for sure. But, uh, I just don't see the Niners going, as especially to the Super Bowl like they did last year. They might make the playoffs, maybe, but I'm I don't i do not know. I I it's very up in the air with me between the Niners and Cardinals, um, because the Rams could easily take that that spot right behind Seattle, like you were saying. They're three and one, um, and they're playing they're playing pretty good. I mean, today was kind of a rocky rocky win, but uh, they got it, so you you can't hate on it. Um. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it's just very iffy, man. I, I don't see. I could see the Niners in that spot if Garoppolo comes back and you know some of the players, like you say, actually step up. I could see them in that second spot behind Seattle. I could see Arizona there behind behind Seattle as well. See, Arizona's a little bit more unproven, you can say, because they don't have too much experience on that team, besides you know the veterans that they do have, like Larry Fitzgerald, the man. But uh, other than that, I don't know. So uh, we'll the see man. what happens
1: in these upcoming games. The myth, the legend, Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> well, they do have Larry Fitzgerald, and we know that Larry – we know that D-Hop is the guy, you know what I mean, on that Arizona Cardinals receiving core. But is it but, Larry Fitzgerald? <laughs> but is his name Larry Fitzgerald? No. <laughs> um, but we know that, you know, hey, big-time Larry, man. He's a big-time player, and he makes big-time plays in big-time games. So – uh, if they ever need him down the stretch, he will, you know, he will show up. My, one of my takes on this is I believe, I believe the saints can recover and land a spot in the playoffs, but let's say for the sake of argument that they can't recover and they can't land a spot in the playoffs. We could potentially be looking at, you know, for the first time in NFL history, a conference where all four teams make the playoffs in the nfc west with the seahawks the rams the niners and the cardinals what are your guys thoughts on that yeah that'd that'd be that'd be crazy joe what do you think
2: yeah that'll be pretty unbelievable but i don't know it'll be kind of hard but we'll see
0: well didn't we see three in one division was that like a year or two ago
1: yeah, it's it's happened before where three teams have made the division. It's not that common,
0: but it happens. But for a whole division going, that'd be insane. <laughs> that mean, happened
1: it- for that happened for a little bit with the um, uh, I can't remember what the division's called, what what AFC division it is. Um, but the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Bengals they would they would make the playoffs. All three of those teams for a couple uh, for a cool minute when Andy Dalton was still you know firing on all cylinders like in his early career with the Bengals, as well as joe flacco when he was on the team with ray lewis and all them and then of course big ben and the steelers uh there was there was i think one or two seasons where they would make the uh division all three of them together but um i mean i might be all
0: in favor to have the whole nfc west go to the playoffs and the nfc east just don't have any of them in there because it's terrible
1: Well, I mean, in a perfect world, right? But, you know, the thing is, is that according to, you know, according to the NFL, there has to be one team from each division representing uh, that division in the playoffs, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I get that. But it's just that, you know, those teams that come out of there, they're just so bad. And I think last year and the last before that, the teams that did come out, they were like seven and nine, you know, like they're not even at 500 and they're making the playoffs. And it's like, man, why do you even give these guys a chance? I mean, you do have some underdogs that will come up, uh, but come on, man.
1: Well, yeah, Joe, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, Eric, that's what makes you the big money bet on the underdogs to get to win that game.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right, man. You're right. Yeah, I mean, I bet you there wasn't a lot of people that thought that that seven and nine Seattle Seahawks team was going to win versus the New Orleans Saints when they made the division. But hey, uh, CenturyLink Field, that's a real animal. And if you and if you you never want to be in a in an away game versus the Seattle Seahawks on their home turf in the playoffs, that's not what you want to do. Well Um, luckily
2: for this year, technically there is no home advantage.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's actually weather. Besides the weather. Yeah, (laughs) that's
2: actually the weather is your twelfth man. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll see,
1: right? Um yeah, it's not looking like COVID's going away anytime soon, but you know, if 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 it does happen to go away by the time the playoffs come around, we could see some. We could see some of that home field advantage in the playoffs. We'll just have to wait and see, though. Doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. But yeah,
0: they, they, they might. Go, it might go away depending on how good Larry Fitzgerald comes off. You know.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Larry is the Larry is the man. Gerald. COVID. COVID is worried that Larry Fitzgerald is going to catch it sometime yeah, soon. They don't want <laughs> Larry to wake up. <laughs> all right, well, that is all the time that we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We are gonna post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So be sure to stay tuned, keep with it, and be prepared to be highly contested. Yes. Have a good one.
0: Highly contested, highly contested, highly contested, highly contested,
1: highly contested, How's it going contested dumb and dumb and dumb? highly contested